Hello and welcome to the Research Connection Podcast, the show that brings current expertise and cutting-edge research and connects it with users in the community. Jackie and I are here with Alicia Farrell. She is the Chair of Department of Leadership and Educational Administration here at Brandon University and is an Associate Professor and Arts-Based Researcher who studies leadership. And also with Susan Gillishammer, she is the incoming principal for Ecole's Secondary Neelan High School here in Brandon. And Susan has worked in Brandon School Division as an English teacher, a guidance counselor, vice principal, acting principal, and now principal. And so we're talking about leadership during challenging times. This is a great topic. Both Jackie and I are really excited about it. It's timely. We're really glad to be having this conversation. And we want to start off with you, Alicia. You've just finished a study that involved interviewing 15 school administrators in southwestern Manitoba. School leaders and divisional leaders are called to sort of listen to the worries and and cares of others all the time. It's it's woven into the fabric of, of the job, but it takes a lot of energy to empathize with other human beings. So if you think about the amount of other human beings who are going through a very difficult time, and so all the worries and stories that administrators listen to is quite intense, like in terms of the amount and the frequency with which they listen to those stories. And the other thing is that stress directly impacts our capacity to be able to do that. So the administrators were under an intense amount of stress because their decisions, both big and small, now had a direct relationship to people's health, their own health and the health of others. And that's different. That's a burden that healthcare workers absorb that we that tends to be invisible to us until, you know, times like this. And so to be able to find the fortitude and the resilience to be empathetic while under significant stress inside of a system that has lots of rules and norms and, and ways of uh, teaching us to behave really as in schools, um, as school leaders is very, very tough to do. And one of the things that I think we could do a better job of in education is provide specific and direct support to school and divisional leaders around how to be resilient in the face of this intensity uh, and these challenges. For example, the, Can- the Association of Canadian Deans of Education in Canada just sent out a document called Teacher Education in Post-Pandemic Canada. And one of the interesting things that I found about the document, although there's, I'm so happy they did it and there's so much good in there that we need to read carefully and respond to thoughtfully at all levels of the system here in Canada in education. But a glaring omission for me was a direct comment on the mental health and well-being of educational leaders. So we talked about that for teacher candidates. We talked about that for, uh, for practicing teachers. But there is an important body of work to be done in the area of research and also practice and professional development around supporting the mental health and wellness of the people who are directing traffic at a broad scale in education. Um, We're asking uh, a a lot of them. So it could be things about how uh, there's important things to think about around decision making systemically, but also the the micro encounters that you have with people, right? So how do you listen with an empathy? ear while still asking people to make some significant changes, right? Because if the pandemic is going to be with us for, let's say, the next two years, I hope not, but if it is, that's a long time to just be in survival mode. We need to move to thriving in, in some areas. And so 
that's going to mean listening to the worries and cares of others and being empathetic about it, but also providing structures and support so that people can step into it in terms of making sure that, you know, particularly children who are sometimes marginalized in our school communities are getting the education that they deserve. I think it's, um, you know, there's lots of, of challenging pieces. I think that the mental health of school leaders is something that we need to really take into consideration. When when Alicia talked about the energy that it takes to be, be empathetic, but then also, you know, do the day-to-day -day business of being a school leader. But then also, you know, during um, when the province mandated the, the baseline marks, that was a really difficult conversation to have with our, our, our teachers. And lots of teachers felt that you know, there was this sense of, well, that's, that's not fair. That's not, um, you know, what about my integrity as a teacher? And so those were really difficult conversations to have with passionate educators that, you know, were, were trying to wrap their minds around, you know, how, how do I authentically assess my, my students in this time. We, we talked about at the, at the high school level, you know, there's going to be lots of students graduating and receiving diplomas. And someone said, so we're just handing out diplomas, are we? And I, I said, well, I think we have to think of it differently. Like, let's think about handing out some lifeboats here. Because, you know, in terms of credits, in terms of, of diplomas, what impact what negative impact would that have on students and families to not receive those? How, can we have some grace in this in this time period of crisis so that we can, you know, release our egos a little bit from from the classrooms and from ourselves, our identities as educators, and and really just think about, okay, you know, does the student have the skills in this course? Do they have to do the the volume of work um, that I had? prescribed for them at the beginning or do I know that they've met met the outcomes in such a way that I can feel okay about this credit going to this student so that those were some really challenging conversations so balancing the frustration from from teaching staff with you know perhaps your own feelings about about decisions that were coming down from from above us but then you know let's let's change our perspective on it and you know let's get everyone a lifeboat and, and keep everyone afloat here there's sort of an assumption always that administrators are like a machine somehow, that they're not affected by the world around them. And that was one of the things that drove my dissertation research because I was looking at change and amalgamation. And what I was seeing was that we were making assumptions and the literature makes assumptions about leaders always being sort of like this, right? And I am not surprised that your research is turning that up because I think that's something that we're still failing to see that leaders are people first who play a role second and that sometimes that being able to move through something like the pandemic comes at just sheer gritting your teeth and muscling through it and being the best person that you can be because other people are counting on you. And I think A, we don't give people enough credit for that. And B, I think we don't look closely enough at the impact that that has on leaders as people. But and I yeah. would say that the absence of that, Jackie, um, just to build on what you're saying, the absence of that, that lack of acknowledgement of the complexity and the difficulty of the work can be too much to bear sometimes. 
two of the administrators that are in my head in my heart right now in terms of the conversations that we had one of them said you know i'm not i i'm really thinking about whether this work is for me and um another one talked about the pandemic is the first thing I think about when I get up at six in the morning and it's the last thing I think about when I'm able to fall asleep which is usually after midnight because I'm so worried about what's happening with the kids and the families that I'm responsible for. Those are really important voices to listen to because we need those folks to feel confident in their work even though if they can't be clear as clear right now about what their impact is because it's you can't even put eyes on on everyone you're working with right now but that i think that necessitates some unique conversations and some supports for them so that in the company of people who are facing a similar similar types of challenges that they can be vulnerable in each other's presence right because one thing we know from a lot of really solid psychosocial research that has kind of a relational quality to it is that you need each other but they're also isolated sometimes in their individual schools and experience probably has taught many of them that to be vulnerable in front of people is not always the best and safest route to go, right? So they, they tend to put on armor and shells because they have to uh, in order to make difficult decisions that will impact people in a myriad of, of ways. And so even this, a small thing like them having the opportunity to talk to each other about what is it like to have a conversation with a teacher maybe who's struggling right now with isolation or something else and to listen with your whole heart but then also to have clear expectations for what needs to happen for the children that that teacher works with it's a very difficult ask and we don't in a lot of our uh, graduate work and professional development work with administrators have a lot of focus on that area and, um, and I think the pandemic has um, put into sharp relief the need to have those very targeted conversations about those difficult moments with people. I, I just want to share a, a story from, we were, everyone was really struggling. We were talking about how, how do we do a grad ceremony? How do we do all these different pieces? And um, there was lots of pressure um, from our families and from um, senior admin, you know, to come up with solutions and all that kind of stuff. So we were under a lot of, of pressure at that time. I also really needed to have a staff meeting um, and, and I had to use Teams. And it was tempting to turn my camera off because I was, I was exhausted and stressed out. And I just thought, you know, I, this would be easier if, if I, they don't need to see this. Um, I, I want to be able to communicate, but I, you know, so I was wrestling with that a little bit. And then I was in another meeting where the person leading the meeting didn't have their camera on. And I thought, oh no, my people need to see my face. They need to see my tired, stressed out face and hear my voice. And so, you know, there's mo moments, small moments of bravery, right? Where you have to just uh, make a decision that it's, it's better for your, your people to see, see you vulnerable. Um, see your vulnerabilities and through that show them that you're you're going to accept them you know through their vulnerabilities as well in in your leadership we need to support our school leaders and our divisional leaders to bend maybe not break uh, but bend things that are not working for people schools are very structured and hierarchical places and, and systems but the pandemic is calling we need leaders to be at all levels of the system to be brave enough to to bend and maybe even break 
systems and structures that are not going to work for kids and families uh, at, at this time. We cannot call for such dramatic responses and keep the system as structured and hierarchical as it is. You know, there's been lots of really lovely writing about, you know, democratic leadership and shared leadership. There's lots of titles for that. Jackie could speak to that better than I could. But it, it, this is going to call for us to reimagine what we mean when we say the word leader. When, I, when we say the word leadership, we often have a picture of a person that begins to emerge in our minds. It's, and it's usually someone wearing a suit and a tie who's, who speaks in particular ways in times of crisis. But we need to reimagine our inherited myths about leadership. And I don't, I'm starting to think that leader is, is, is not a term or concept that holds water anymore. So I think that um, leadership is a, a series of relations where people are trying to work together to make something happen. And power and influence and all those other things infuse our ability to collectively do things together. But to me, we need to stop thinking about leaders as individuals and start thinking about this as networks of relations where we have to do big things together. Because one thing that the participants reminded me of so powerfully in the interviews was that none of this can be done in isolation. So we need to stop thinking about this as individual people doing individual things, I think in some ways, and start thinking about this as people in networks of relations trying to do things, uh, important things together, which means a really different picture of leader and leadership. Do you have some examples, or maybe Susan or Jackie, you might chime in too, do you have some concrete examples of the structures or systems that you're imagining that need to bend or maybe in some cases break? Well, I think that, um, you know, it's, it's, there's so much opportunity right now to um, reimagine our, our system as a whole or, or pieces of the system. I think that in terms of, of leadership, um, you know, you have to have to start thinking creatively and think about um, what what is possible and what could be possible for our students and what's best for our students. I, it's it's interesting. Um, there's lots of, of talk on on Twitter, um, edu Twitter as, as we say, um, about you know establishing norms for using using electronic systems for classrooms and you know should students be required to not be in pajamas, not be eating while they're in, in class on, uh, on video. It, it's interesting to me because there's still that, that need and want for, um, for, for structures and for, um, you know, expectations and norms to be established. But, you know, it, is that equitable? You know, when a, when a student is sitting in a, a space that they're sharing with, with many other members of their family or maybe multiple families are living in the same space. And is it fair to ask that they have their, their video feed on? Probably not. Um, so it's, it's really about reimagining what, what these structures could look like. Should a teacher just be teaching math or are we gonna look at more thematic teaching where we're um, having groups of teachers work on on units and um, and learning that is is relevant and, and meets outcomes but isn't in silos, you know. So there's I think I think there's lots of opportunity and it's it's about some shared leadership within schools within divisions, provincially possibly, um, looking at how can we do things differently so that we're we're teaching our children the best that we can, um, but in a, in a way that's going to meet everybody's needs. I was also thinking of time to 
to revisit our our ends again of 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 education so so one of the things that the abrupt closing of the school doors forced us to do is confront some some practices and policies that we've inherited and weren't working for us so for example the abrupt announcement of the province that you know marks would stay as is as of march 17th i, I think it was it provoked some very intense conversations in schools about assessment right what are we assessing and why and just going back to this idea of specialized conversations for for educational leaders I think one of the things I certainly need to get better at, but maybe it's uh, it's something that others might want to um, practice too, is crawling underneath the assumptions that that lie underneath the ones we don't talk about, but will will provoke a teacher to say something like, "Well, they're not going to be ready for the real world if dot 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 if we don't give them a mark or if they don't show up to class and do X Y Z or if they eat on screen." So what's underneath the teacher feeling very uncomfortable about this about a student you know eating their carrot stick while they're taking their their, their zoom class right and i think it's because um, i mean so much is demanded of schools they're very complicated places and people want a lot of things from them at the same time and a lot of those needs and wants conflict their intention uh, together but maybe the pandemic is showing us that we need to have a very intense conversation about purpose of schools again purpose of education and what kind of world are we trying to build together and and how is education and the process of schooling how does it align with those big dreams and goals and 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 you know what doesn't resonate at any anymore you know um there were lots of media articles that just came out about the last Arctic ice shelf in Canada is, is, is broken off, it's collapsed. And I, I hold that in my head and my heart and I read the last paragraph of, of, of what came out recently from the Dean's Association in Canada, which referred again to economic imperatives and aims. And a lot of the talk of not eating on Zoom or showing up on time and getting your stuff in is related to that 90s discourse of like employability skills, right? I think we're living in a world that is calling for us to think bigger. Deborah Britzman, one of my favorite thinkers and authors in education, she, she asks the question and it haunts me. She says, when did education become so small where we could only tie things to economic imperatives, right? I think we need to think really big now about education. The world is hurting and it's getting hotter. Um, we have a displacement of people where, you know, we've created a new language around climate refugees, for example. So we need to start thinking differently about what is it? Like, how do we want to live together as a society? And then what role does education play in helping us to flourish together? So to me, that's the biggest big change, I think that uh, is important to, to visit together. And that might bear some pretty important fruit for us uh, if, we could, if we could do that. I, I really um, appreciate being, being invited to this conversation.
you know, and I, I think, you know, talking about uh, the, the bigger ideas of education and, and thinking about what, what do we want for our children and our world and our future? Um, what, what would serve them well moving forward? We know that um, we're going to be living with this pandemic for, for quite some time. Um, and there, there may be other challenges ahead that, you know, we can't even imagine at this point. So how do we, you know, infuse resiliency into all that we do in education? education so not just for school leaders um, but for our teachers but but more so for our students how do we um, talk about that resiliency and you know I I think about um, you know there were so many conversations about grit uh, a number of years ago and the the inequity around that when you're when you're struggling and living with you know a history of trauma and all those different pieces are our students and families that have that kind of history you know it's not just about pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and and getting on with things it's it's more um how do we create safe spaces so that our, our families feel safe and supported and can be honest about um what their vulnerabilities are and how, how does an education system support them to become thriving human beings in, in this challenging world that we live in. All right. Well, thank you all of you for coming and for spending your valuable time with us. I really appreciate it. And I'm grateful that you've been here. Yeah. Thanks a lot. That was a great conversation. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you very much for, for including me in this conversation. Thank you for listening to the Research Connection podcast. You can visit our website for links to everything that was mentioned in the episode and for more Research Connection content at www.brandonu.ca slash bu-cares. Be sure to rate and subscribe so you can stay up to date with current research that impacts your community. Thank you.